Tips for Travellers provides inspiration, advice and tips about finding and having a luxurious travel experience. It covers destinations, transportation, accommodation, attractions and journeys. I'm Gary Bembridge and I launched the Tips for Travellers podcast in 2005 to share with travellers my learning on how to make the most of their time in every international destination I visit. For the last 20 years, I've been travelling almost every month of every year to exciting destinations all around the world. Thanks to my global marketing job, it takes me to destinations on every continent. The air miles I earn while doing that helps to take me to even more destinations for vacation. Tips for Travellers shares that learning. Visit www.tipsfortravellers.com for more information. Remembering that Travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way. Hi, I'm Gary Bembridge and for three episodes of Tips for Travellers, I'm excited to be bringing you a three-part series about the people behind creating the luxurious experience of travelling on Cunard's flagship ocean liner, the Queen Mary 2. I spent three weeks on the ship, first on a crossing of the Atlantic from Southampton to New York, and then travelled down to the Caribbean and back to New York. While on board, Cunard gave me exclusive and unique access to interview some of the key people that work on board to ensure the passengers have a memorable crossing and cruise. This is part two of the series, and I share interviews where you're able to hear firsthand about what goes into creating the passenger experience on this massive ship, the Queen Mary 2. But importantly, you hear the stories behind the people and their personalities. You find out how they got their jobs, what their role entails, insider tips to get the most out of the ship and cruising, and very importantly, how they see Cunard evolving and what makes Cunard different. In part one, we spoke to two of Cunard's entertainment directors. And in part two, I'm going to be interviewing Queen Mary 2's hotel manager and executive chef. In part three, you will hear about two unusual roles on board, that of the social host and hostess. So in part two, we're going to be hearing from Queen Mary 2's hotel manager, Robert Howie, who joined the QE2 22 years ago, and the executive chef, Nicholas Olroyd, who serves over 20,000 meals a day and joined the QE2 15 years ago. I started by asking them to introduce themselves and tell us more about how they ended up getting the roles they have today. Um, Nicholas Oldroyd, executive chef of Queen Mary 2. I started um, Cunard in 1999 on QE2. Um, started as a demi-chef to party, so working all way, working actually um, from that rank and actually leaving QE2 at Chef de Cuisine, which um, is obviously a head chef, head chef level um, in the Cunard fleet. So working all the restaurants there, from the Coronia to the Montaigne to the Britannia Grill, Princess Grill, Queen's Grill. So basically going through the whole culinary um, Cunard repertoire there, obviously it gives a, a, a massive extensive experience to obviously um, go forward within the Cunard operations. So after that, um, Queen Mary 2 came along. So some of us stayed on the QE2, which I actually did. Then I came to Queen Mary 2 a little bit later and reached the rank of executive sous chef there which is second in charge of the whole culinary operation. And then we actually opened up the Queen Victoria, so then I moved on to Queen Victoria. I was executive chef, uh, executive sous chef, sorry, and chef de cuisine. I was on two roles there because of some of the fleet um, members had to move around a little bit, so we had to step up and step down. But um, being on there for nearly three 
just three and a half years, but I actually reached the rank of executive chef. So I left the um, Queen Victoria's as executive chef. And then I was very, very honoured to be asked to be the first executive chef of the opening of Queen Elizabeth. So then, obviously, I went to Queen Elizabeth then and was on there just for under two years. Very, very proud moment. And then our my first executive chef, who was Carl Winkler on the QE2 1999, then actually retired from this ship, Queen Mary 2. And then I was, again, being honoured, asked to come back to the Queen Mary 2, the flagship, and then became executive chef here. So being executive chef of all three ships is a very, very big honour as well in the QNAD fleet. Uh, but a little bit more of a little bit of story, which you probably might might have heard, but my twin brother Mark is the executive chef of Queen Victoria. Right. So there is twi- <laughs> twins in the um, in the Cunard right. fleet, which are both executive chefs. So we used to work together as well, actually. Right. We actually, I actually was his boss on the Queen Victoria for a while. Until oh, right. he, so he was my executive chef. I was his executive chef. Right. So basically, we did work together. Uh, for quite a while, which was a Tweedledee and Tweedledum right. kind of experience. So a lot of people think I recognise you, but it might be your brother. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> like, like today, like today. Honestly, it just goes on and on and on. Right. I mean, we, we're actually very, very well known, obviously, been with Kirinad now for just under 14 years. So right. Obviously, we know a lot of our, our guests who come time and time again. Right. Great. Robert, do you want to talk? Yes, um, I'm Robert Howie, I'm the hotel manager. I came to sea 22 years ago, 14 years I was with Princess, and then um, in 2004 Princess and Cunard merged the, the shoreside operations uh, shortly after the uh, Queen Mary 2 came into service, and some of us from Princess came over to Cunard, and some from Cunard went over to Princess. I started uh, my life at sea as a junior bar waiter. Uh, and similar to the chef, I've, um, I've just worked my way up. Um, I've been through all the food and beverage ranks. I've been uh, assistant provisions master, um, food and beverage manager. I was fortunate enough with Princess to um, work on their new build teams. So I brought eight of their uh, ships into service for them. And then when I came over to Cunard, I started on the Queen Mary 2 as a food and beverage manager. And was promoted to hotel manager. I think about seven, almost eight years ago. Um, so my time at Cunard is a lot shorter than Nick's, but time at sea a lot longer. Um, and similar to Nick, I was asked to because of my new build background. I went to um, I run the project manage the hotel side of the for the Queen Victoria. Brought her into service. Took her around the world for the first time. Then I came back to Queen Mary 2 as hotel manager, and then I, for two years I went and project managed uh, Queen Elizabeth, basically from scratch, working with the, uh, the Cunard product team in Southampton, and then brought her into service as well as hotel manager, took her around the world, and we all seem to end up back in Queen Mary yeah, 2, right. so, uh, right. so that's where we are at the moment. Great. So do you want to explain a little bit about your role as hotel manager? Yeah, um, basically... Hotel manager, as I, I say in a nutshell to most people, is everything other than um, driving the ship and maintain it te- maintaining it technically. Um, so all the, the food and beverage operation, the housekeeping operation, the uh, business partners, i.e. The, the revenue areas, the casino, spa, uh, photo shops, um, all come under the hotel, as does entertainment. Um, so it's out of 
just over 1,250 crew. There's just over 1,100 that are within the hotel, right. which fall under my remit. Right. Uh, and also, uh, I am responsible to the captain for the welfare of the crew as well. So I work closely with the human resources manager to um, make sure that keep all these guys happy. Right. So it's both passenger and crew you yes. look after, right? Yes. Right. And is that, Fina, is that the same? Do you, is it passengers and crew you? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in the whole content, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm responsible for every single culinary operation on board, so right. you've got the main dining room, which is Britannia, where you've got basically two sittings per night, about 2,200 guests. So we're serving 1,100 meals in one hour every single night, right. twice a night. Obviously, breakfast and lunch as well. Then we have the King's Court, which is our, our buffet. So basically we have menus. We have um, obviously um, have to basically create menus and also um, conduct all the different things up there every single day, from, from basically regular buffet lines to stations to events, even like fruit vegetable cabins we actually do upstairs as well. Then we have our ultimate deluxe restaurants, which is our Queen's Grill and Princess Grill. So basically that has to also be into content with all different menus, a la carte menus, different perspective, different views and, and different quality on meats, etc. We also have the Todd English, which is our alternative dining. So obviously we get the feedback from Todd English himself and his, and his chefs who work along close with us, getting, getting menus and actually, um, well, actually it's supposed to be seasonal menus. So basically we get new ideas seasonally and basically they also need to be inputted onto menus and served. Uh, and then we also have basically the crew. So the crew is very, very much a big part of, of what we have to do every single day because we have to keep them happy. There's 55 different nationalities on board. So basically we have to keep all the different ingredients for their ethnic background. So, you know, majority have been Asian, so the Filipinos, the largest group, so we have to basically have all the different things like the tilapia fish, the milk fish. We have to make sinigang every single day, all the different soups, things like um, like um, pancit and... Um, so basically, it's basically everything which is needed for those different ethnic groups. We have to actually have specially designed menus, which have been actually looked at and analysed for our shoreside team as well. So from from European to Eastern European to Asian to whatever nationality um, we have on board, we have to try and make them as comfortable as possible because obviously they're working quite a, a long period of time. So basically, our job with the crew is very very important. Like like the whole time I just said, we you know, we really have to um, look at every single aspect, and we also do different events for them as well so on the night time you know it's not just breakfast lunch and dinner we also go out of our way to do like special events like international chef's market we do like a jolly bean night which is like a fast food kind of train in um in philippines you know so we, we're doing a lot of things for the crew it's very very important to keep the crew morale high and also the the menu is very very interesting and also um so it makes them happy on board right but we are a very very happy organization right. obviously we're very very family oriented as well so basically, the role really itself is actually looking after basically the 15,000 meals a day, statistically what we serve. And being under me, I've got Chef de Cuisines who are in charge of each restaurant, Todd English, uh, Britannia, King's Court, and also the grills. And then we have sous chefs as well. So obviously, I have my line managers and more senior managers. But overall, you know, I'm, we're basically looking at all the menus. We're looking at the service every single day. We're looking at the quality, the procedures. And then, just to top it all off, obviously we're, we're in charge of all the public health on board as well within the galleys, so that's another part of our our job where they've got 80 utility and one galley um, supervisor who basically conducts the 24-hour cleaning every single day. 
not forgetting the bakery, not forgetting the butcher, not forgetting the fish, the veg prep, the buffet prep. Our job is endless to tell you the truth no, when it comes to the responsibility. <laughs> yeah. But having a great management team, obviously, Robbie's was one of our preferred hotel managers with excellent experience. Yeah, we'll <laughs> <laughs> but no, but basically, yeah. no, I mean, the whole operation is actually about the team. Sure. So, you know, you know, when we all work together, very, very close together, and, you know, have that really family-oriented feel, it, it really makes our job easier because at the end of the day, we're all communicating, we're all basically understanding about each other's job, and it really does motivate the whole team, especially in our area, when we have a lot of food to serve every single sure. day. I think, I think that's one of the, the strengths of QNAP, mm, it is. Is, the, is the bonding between the, the, the crew members because it is very much family-oriented. Um, you know, we've had a bit of... You know, well, introduction of new ships in the last four or five years. You know, where we've sort of diluted the experience from you know certain ships because we've had to move move people to obviously bring the new ship into service. So we've had a, an influx of new crew to the company. Um, but it, it's nice to have that that loyalty as well that you know that we develop with the crew. You know, they want to stay on a specific ship, but more importantly, they want to stay with the brand. You know, so which is. Um, one of the key things, and also very good for the guests because the guests recognise the individuals, and they uh, obviously recognise the guests. And you know that first couple of days, the recognition is uh, you know what's important for for the guests and for us. So, do you find you have quite a lot of um, loyalty because I guess people work on contracts, and yeah. so, so do you have quite? You don't have a lot of churn. You have, I mean, you have normal churn, I guess, because people. Yeah, we, we, we probably have less. We probably have less turnover. Or we do have less turnover than you would expect that you've been commonly experiencing at a hotel shore site. Yes. Um, but you, you will find that uh, on this ship uh, in particular, uh, we've got second and third generation uh, you know, individuals working with us. You know, so um, you know, at some point you have the father and son or the mother and daughter yeah. or mother and son working on the same ship. Right. You know, so it, it, it shows you the, the, the strength uh, mm-hmm. and loyalty to the brand. Mm-hmm. You know. From from both the hotel side and from the the the, the, the uh, food side, is there much difference between a crossing and a port based uh, schedule, or or is it is it very is it similar? Yeah, no, no, it's very um, on a crossing. It's very intense um, for for everybody on board uh, working on board because you know you don't have that uh, advantages. Is it maybe the right word? I'm not sure, but. Um, guests going ashore where you can you can trim back the operation slightly and give some time to the to the crew members. You don't have that, it's continual. And then you get to New York or Southampton either end and within ten hours the ship's got to be turned and moved out again. You know, so it's starting all over again. So when uh, you know you come up to a, a voyage where you have ports, um, you know, we have to make sure as much as we can that we can maximise the time off for the crew whilst at the same time retaining the, the obviously the operation is, uh, is optimal. So, yeah, you, you know, you, you're not going to get Todd English getting used at lunchtime uh, in port, whereas it will do when we're at sea. So, you know, that gives us one area where we can release some crew to work in other areas to uh, let others go ashore. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's just a case of managing the, 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 the operation. Right. And the same, I guess, from. And obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously, Robbie's 
actually said all the main points there, but on the on the culinary point of view, it's basically, you know, when when you do have the pots, and basically the, the figures do go down actually what the consumption levels. Right. So you will get a little bit of a leeway where you can again you could actually release some staff or some chefs actually go off and, and, and enjoy. But on the transatlantic voyage, you've got no chance whatsoever because every single day, obviously the same amount of people are coming for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So the preparation has to be there as well. So we always have to be basically on the ball when it comes to every single meal. So, but you know, and you'll find as well at breakfast time, you know, there'll be a lot, be a lot more uh, condensed because yes. it won't be spread yeah, out yeah, over yeah. the hour and a half, two hours no, of breakfast. Right. It'll yeah. be within forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. They'll be getting really hit for breakfast. Yeah, it's, it's more of a pressure really on, on the on the actually transatlantic crossing, mm-hmm. and then. Like I said, they all come at the same time, so right. you know there's no there's no leeway. In like a, they'll come staggered because if you're in a pot, they'll all come early. You see, but they all se- seem to have the same trend where they'll come all at the same time. Same as the buffet. The buffet can be nice and gracious, and then all of a sudden it's completely like right. a, a battle Swarm. to actually get <laughs> the table. So yeah, I mean that, that's the difference between obviously the pot days and transatlantic. It's just basically you know it's endless days at sea, mm-hmm. and obviously we don't have the obviously the luxury of having any contact with any, any shoreside base if we need anything we've got no support it's actually there and then so we have to be statistically ready for that seven days with all provisions so if we run out of something then that's it you have to be really really prepared with the provision and that's to make sure that we have everything on board so I mean that's the difference really So what's the biggest misconception you come across from a passenger perspective about a, a crossing? I think um, a lot of people um, think it'll be boring all the days at sea, mm. but often the feedback that I get from guests is that they haven't had enough time to do what they want, you know. Um, and you know, it's, the ship is the destination um, ultimately because we, uh, you know, we don't have the ports, so um, we do keep the entertainment. There's quite an extensive uh, range of the entertainment, and hopefully we cater to to almost all tastes. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you wish to just relax, that that's possible as well. You know, but I think the, the biggest thing is that people think that they're going to be bored on the transatlantic. And to be perfectly honest, when I first started, I thought that would be the case as well. But it most certainly isn't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the timing itself it goes very very fast because I've, it is an everyday routine. You know, people go for dinner, they get dressed up, they go and do ballroom dances, they go to cocktail parties. I mean, we like even this voyage, like I mean. Heard me mention earlier about the galley tour. We do, we do actually different culinary events as well. So basically, there is a lot to do on board, and I think I think actually you actually enjoy the transatlantic more because you actually get the feel of the ship. You actually use its its spacious, you know, its rooms, its actual its um, facilities. Because on a on a regular port port day voyage, then you would actually not really see as much as what you would do on a transatlantic. And the ship has got everything which actually caters for every single group. But for us, we really like to go a little bit of above and beyond and do a little bit more culinary activities. So then the guests actually really understand about you know where all that food came from every single voyage. I mean, you, you, you sit in the in the Britannia. I mean, and, and Rob will tell you the same. You just look around, and you think, how would we serve that food every single day? Mm-hmm. And, and and it does actually it's quite memorising when you actually when you look and you think, well, we, and, but we do it every single day. Right. So for us, you know, end of the day, I think when when Swan does go on transatlantic voyage, it's not just all about being on a ship. You're actually on a, a, a floating resort, mm-hmm. and there is plenty of things to do with lots of added touches, which we actually do on board. Mm-hmm. What's the most common question you get asked by passengers? <laughs> a lot of the questions that we'll get asked is wastage. 
how much waste do you actually produce every single day and, and basically what kind of meat do you use and you know how many meals do you do and how many chefs have you got and mm-hmm. these are kind of questions it's a lot of curiosity there is yeah and, and that's why we do these plural events because then people really understand about what we actually do every single day mm-hmm. and statistically we tell them all the time about 15,000 meals a day 1,100 meals within one hour 162 chefs 80 utilities so they, they really love that vibe when you're actually giving the information like we did a the chef's workshop um, yesterday and basically the questions which were asked then was all about the galley they were so you know memorised what, what we did and how we actually did it and you know the galley being 24 hours a day the bakery being 24 hours the pastry being 24 hours a day so basically it's always to do with culinary question when obviously the white jacket sometimes I guess that's whether if I'm walking on for the where's the soap powder and things like that and I just I look at myself <laughs> and think, you know but I think it's curiosity more about the ship than mm-hmm. anything else because it's just quite unique mm. you know and it's um it shows where the, the ship goes in port there. It must be one of the most photographed ships in the world, really. Um, because, you know, and it's just, as I say, it's just a curiosity, especially people that are new to the brand uh, who may be doing transatlantic for the first time. You know, so it's, um, you know, just how, how the, basically the ship operates on a transatlantic. It's, it's, that, it's just small things. I mean, there's probably no specific thread from, from my yeah. side the, 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 it's just, as I say it's just the curiosity of the ship mm-hmm. and uh, you know how we managed to to mm-hmm. work on here and how long you know mm-hmm. things like that okay. yeah, well, one last question then so um, I think I think I probably know the answer to what you said but just passengers now have lots of choice I mean there's so many more ships and, and whatever so from, from your perspective you know what makes QNOT different I think we've held on to our, our heritage, um, you know, obviously as a business, as a business, the company has to evolve um, because we, at the end of the day, bottom line is we have to make money. But we've we've held on to the uh, to the heritage and history of the company, um, and you know, having two new ships now, we have the youngest fleet in the in the industry, the cruise industry, um, and the transatlantic is is very different to a voyage on, on, the, on the ship because you'll see it's very much harks back to the to the you know 30s 40s a lot of elegance um, you know the traditional these are all words that sort of come into being um, and it, I mean I like to you know the first, one of the first uh, formal lights is to stand at the end of the chart room bar and I can see then just by the people sitting at the bar what they're drinking you can see, you can tell it's a different uh, different way of life because people are concerning themselves that they've got to get up in the morning for the tour, you know, so they're just here to experience, as I say, the destination, which is the ship, you know, and that's, um, I think that is what sets us out, you know, people say to me, oh, we've tiny restaurant, you know, we can still do two seatings, why don't we go to, like, a, a freestyle uh, you know, open seatings um, mm-hmm. down, but that that's not Cunard. I mean, we don't get me wrong; we have discussed it, but um, it's not it's not Cunard. And people like that. Well, certainly the, the guests that we spoke to like that traditional style of dining because we we can deliver. We know we can deliver, but at the end of the day, we're not we're not um, out there to you know say that we're the the, the best competitor against RCI, we know we're, we're not, but it's been a slightly different league, our guests are, are not all family oriented, and you know, it, 
it's more of a, a higher age group, uh, average age group than you would get on a, on a on one of the mainstream cruise lines. You know, we're the smallest company within the Carnival Corporation. Mm. You know, and I think that's a good thing. You know, um, uh, for many reasons, and we fill our we manage to fill our ships. We're not uh, we're not struggling. Okay, the certain times of the year, admittedly, but everybody struggles mm. as we do. Um, but in saying that, you know. I think we deliver a good product. You know, we've not got climbing walls and you know all the rest of it. You know, but 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 just uh, and because that's our core product, that's why we need to keep on top of it. As, as Chef said earlier, is is developing you know concepts for dining. You know, because that's a big point. As you know yourself, you know big things that guests come on board for food and entertainment. That's that's the two key things. You know, so it's uh, it's important that you know we keep refreshing things, not changing for change's sake, but reviewing our product and feel if we need to, then we then we can move it forward. I mean, on a, on a current point of view, I think that we still boast that we do have a very 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 old culinary system when it comes to the, the stove management, when it comes to how we actually um, cook our products. So we still have a 24-hour operation where we are making all the stocks on board. We're making all the pastry on board. We're making all the bakery items on board. There's not many chefs who come on, on board who come from different companies who could boast the amount of experience that they actually achieve on board. And we actually invest in all our chefs on board as well. So they, they become very, very good chefs because of the training and the heritage, which is very, very important for Kuna because we are probably one of the only cruise lines now who basically make everything from, from, the st- from the start. From dressings, like I said, like the roast, everything, it's all made on board. So we don't buy all these bulk mixes and things because there's no joy in that. There's no joy at all in coming to on a ship and cooking and opening packets and, and things. Because at the end of the day, you know, we know who we are. From, that, from me starting on QE2 to where we are today, there's nothing much changed, apart from being a little bit more... Um, Budget orientated when it comes to certain products. I mean, the days of flying lobster from Boston to to the QE2 is all gone now. But still, the product that we have on board is very, very high. You know, we still invest in a lot of products, even for the the Queen's Rule, the Princess Rule. We're still looking at some of the main characteristics as how we sell that product. So it is different to the Britannia. So the Queen's Rule, we are using rare breeds like Dartmoor, Texan and Southdown Lamb, um, Durock Park, Old Gloucestershire. Um, we're using beef from Charolais beef, we're using Hereford, we're using White Park, we're using Longhorn, we're using Aberdeen Angus. So we do have those certain brands within our culinary operation which still exist, which they did, did before. So I think on a culinary point of view, we still have that heritage when it comes to the way that we prepare our food, the way that our chefs are passionate. And basically they have to work hard to actually um, produce the food that we do every single day. And I think on board we still have a, a fantastic standard and the way that we actually teach ourselves and also how we basically make sure that the food is the highest quality and also the taste and obviously the, the execution of it. So I think, you know, when we, when we talk about different sort of other companies and we still have that very, very nice heritage when it comes to the actual preparation of our food on Kuna. Uh, I, I think I think it's important as well that you know you have to be able to give your your galley staff and your executive chef that um, leeway where they can um, exhibit their own cre- creativity because it's all too easy to fall into a, becoming just a production chef. Mm-hmm. And I think with the people that we've got um, on board and I know certainly from knowing Nick for a number of years, you, um, you have to be able to to give them 
the, that opportunity to display what they are capable of doing. Otherwise, you won't retain them for a long time. You know, or they'll just fall into, as I say, production shifts, and it, that's definitely not the way that that, that we want to go. That's yeah, true. It's true. I mean, we, you know, I can see the amount of years that the chefs have been on board. It's like Bobby said about the about the family. You know, we have two actually father and son on board because of the the, the experience which they've received. They brought their sons on board because they're proud. They want them to be like just what they, what they are. You know, and, and I think what we offer is a, a fantastic product and. It's like when you, when you come on holiday, that's what you want. People come for the food, they come for the entertainment, they come for the, the overall um, atmosphere of the ship, and they've definitely got it on board Queen Mary too. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to tell people or say, say about Cunard? Come and experience that's that's it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this, the second of the three-part series about the people behind creating the luxurious experience of travelling on Cunard's flagship ocean liner, the Queen Mary 2. In part three, we're going to hear about some of the more unusual roles on board, that of the social host, hostess, and what exactly a gentleman host is and does. In part three, I'll be speaking to Kevin Usher, who started as a dancer and singer for Cunard 20 years ago and acted as a social host on board, and from Derek Stratton, who's been a gentleman host on Cunard for over 15 years. Remember, to find out more, you can visit the site at tipsfortravellers.com, where Travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way, and there you will find links to the Facebook page, Twitter, and to sign up for email alerts. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand-based advice, recommendations, and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com, where travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk.